God's Word this evening. I'll be reading uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 13, uh, but uh, I will not be preaching on this passage per se. This is uh, more of a topical sermon and really reviewing some things that we've talked about so far and then and then laying a, a, a broader a kind of perspective for uh, for the second regeneration that we look forward to. So uh, let's let's read this passage, however, as it describes uh, something of the dissolution of this the heaven new, the, the old heaven and earth and the formation of the new. And I'm sorry about my voice. I don't know what's going on. First Peter chapter three. Now this is the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? Uh, For uh, ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. By the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, uh, being uh, kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the earthly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is God's word. Yes, thank you. Well, this is um, this is message number five in this short series on regeneration, and I do want to just remind you this morning of where we've been as we set the table for uh, for tonight. We began with regeneration and the renewed you. Uh, God through regeneration, God is impar- God's imparting new life in us by the Holy Spirit so that we are willing and able to turn from sin and embrace Christ 
and giving us a new disposition as we delight to obey him. We are renewed by the Spirit to embrace Christ, but then also to, we, are, we delight in him and delight to obey him. Secondly, regeneration and the Holy Spirit. God's imparting new life through the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, by whom uh, he illumines our minds, purifies our hearts, and renews our desires, the work of the Spirit. As he, is, as he imparts his life as the giver of life, illumines our minds, uh, purifies our hearts, and renews our desires for obedience. Number three, then, was the Holy Spirit of regeneration and obedience. Listen to this. Love it. Love it. Not just that you have new power to do the same things you've always wanted to do. The Spirit changes what you want. And Jonathan Edwards calls this work of regeneration the beautification of the sinner. Beautification. And last week, then, it was judgment, regeneration and judgment. Uh, Regeneration, Jesus teaches us, makes us good people with a good heart. And therefore, we produce good works. And on Judgment Day, Jesus makes this outstanding claim that your words, as you stand before the Lord, you are saved by grace through faith. Yes, yes, yes. But also, your words will verify that you belong in heaven. And then today then, our new home. Regeneration and our new home, what we're looking for. Now the word uh, for regeneration, uh, palingenesia, uh, appears just twice in the New Testament. It appears in Titus chapter 3, which was the passage we opened up this series with, that is the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The, the regeneration and also the renewal. And we will call that today, we'll call that R1, Regeneration 1. Regeneration 1. And then in Matthew chapter uh, tw- 19, verse 28, um, it, it, Jesus says, in the new world. That is uh, Regeneration 2, the, the renewed world. In the new world, the Son of Man will sit on glorious th- thrones and you with him. And that is R2, Regeneration 2. So the word appears just twice, but these are huge events in our sanctification, in our becoming Christians and our being sanctified and living for the glory of God. Huge, obviously huge as well as we think about the renewed heavens and earth for which we long these days in particular. The concept, the concept is frequent in the Bible, although that word for um, regeneration only appears, as I said, twice. But we think of R1, Regeneration 1. We think of we are born again by the will of God. John 1, verse 12. John 2, uh, or John 3, rather, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Again, that work of R1 in our lives. And there are a couple of key passages that I just want you to... This is heavy on Scripture tonight. And I want to place these before you. I want you to get these. I want you to to have them in your arsenal, to have them in outline form as you think about the work of regeneration. From the Old Testament, it's got to be Ezekiel 36, 26, the highest point 
of the prophecy of the cleansing work that the Spirit does in regeneration, giving you a new heart, giving you a new spirit, giving you a new inclination, an ability, and a desire to obey God's commands. Ezekiel uh, 36, 26, without mentioning regeneration, is full of it. That's R1. The concept also is very clear uh, concerning um, R2, and it begins with ourselves. Uh, It's already begun, if I can put it that way. We are also first fruits of the renewed creation. You and I, who've gone through R1, regeneration number one, are the first fruits and really the first phase of R2. James 1.18, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Um, really, we understand that to be first fruits of his new creation. And it's interesting, just the way James put that, we should be a kind of first fruits of his new creation. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He is a new creature. He is a new creation. So it's already started. What Christ's resurrection started is completed then, um, it's completed in in the following ways. What I want to look at then, and this is going to be brief, and I'm giving you hooks to hang things on, but what I want you to see is that is that as regenerated people, um, and, and as we as we look forward to R2 being regenerated, the whole world being regeneration, three things are going to be true. You will be you will be a perfect person. A perfect person. And you will have a perfect home and you will also be in a perfect marriage. A perfect person, a perfect home, and a perfect marriage. Boy, does that sound good. Well, as D.A. Carson says, there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with the world that a good a good uh, resurrection can't fix. And that's what we're looking for. Resurrection in all of these ways. First of all, you're a good, you're a, you will be a perfect person. Glorification is sanctification completed. Glorification is sanctification perfected. The process that is underway will be completed and you will be renewed in true knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. And, and I want, these are two more of those passages that I want you to have with you. I want you to, I want you to have these passages with you. Ephesians 4.24, Colossians 3.10. Ephesians 4.24, Colossians 3.10. Let me read them to you and then summarize. Colossians 4.24. Start at verse 23. You'll be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You're renewed, um, putting on the new self in true righteousness and holiness. Almost the same thing stated in Colossians 3.10. We have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So these two passages speak of being being fully renewed, that's what's ahead of us, in true knowledge, Righteousness and holiness. 
Knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. Ephesians 4.24 and Colossians 3.10. You are being made now and you will be made into the likeness of Jesus, the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Glorification is sanctification completed. All right, a little bit of encouragement for right now. Don't just look forward. I want you to think also now that sanctification is glorification begun. He who began a good work in you will complete it. Sanctification is glorification begun. You are being transformed, being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That transformation, you should see it. You can identify it. You are being changed to be more like the Savior. And then one day we will be like him for we will see him as he is uh, one of the uh, comments that one of our dear friends made in a, um, in, in a Zoom call recently on our Wednesday nights as we were talking about this, the difficulty of obedience. It is hard. It is hard. And this was what our friend said as she looks forward uh, to being in the new heaven and the new earth. And that is just this simple, beautiful, beautiful statement. Obedience will be easy. Uh. Wonderful. Obedience will be easy. It's like falling out of bed. It's exactly, exactly what you want to do without even the capacity for evil anymore. So it is, and is sec- secondly here, it is not that we become brand new people, but we are renewed people. Thomas Goodwin, a Puritan, made this comment, which just sounds a little bit strange coming from a Puritan, but well, here it is. He's he's reflecting on this. We're not new people, we're renewed people. He said, it would have been a lot cheaper for God to make new people, make us over again, to to bring new people in entirely. But he was willing and able to, uh, he could have done that without the shedding of blood, and he was willing and able and desiring to renew those whom he had already created and had fallen. Um, We are renewed, but we are still, you are still you. Um, in this renewed state, uh, as Jesus displayed his cross wounds to, Tom, cross wounds to Thomas, put your hand in, in here in his, in his resurrected body. It's interesting. It's fun to kind of think about how much of ourselves, current selves, will carry over uh, into that perfect, that perfect person that we will be. Certainly memories. We look forward to being with one another. We, that is the whole point of, of, of being raised and, and brought into that, that new heaven and new earth because we'll be together. Uh, not just with God, but with each other. We will, we will know each other. We will recognize people. One thing I was thinking about today, will we, or the other day, was will we have some of the same quirks that we, will we laugh about some of the quirks that we get kind of irritated at right now? Interesting, interesting. How much is going to be the same? How much is going to be different? We will be, um, we will be embodied, um, embodied, but spiritual. Let me read from the Confession of Faith, uh, chapter 32. Conf- Westminster Confession, chapter 23. Excuse me, a little bit of that. Dis- I won't have dyslexia in heaven. All right? That's a good thing. This is chapter 23, uh, number one. God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, hath ordained... That was, that was from this morning. This is what I wanted. 
32, it is 32.2. Sorry about that. 32.2. At the last day, such as are found alive shall not die, but be changed, and all the dead shall be raised up with the self-same bodies, and none other, although with different qualities, which shall be united again to their souls forever. Uh, Job said, I will rise and not another. And with these, with these eyes, I shall behold the Lord. I want to, I want to read 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 15 to you. And I want you to just soak it in. Just hear this. I'm going to read a chunk, verses 42 to 29. I'm sorry, 42 to 49. And, uh, and, and, and listen to this teaching. Well, there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there, will, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust, and as is the man of heaven, listen to this, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have been born, have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we also bear the image of the man of heaven. Isn't that amazing to think of ourselves as being of heaven? So so nicely will we belong there. So a perfect, a perfect person, but then also a perfect home that is prepared for us. After all, we're going home, the home that has been prepared. Um, the new earth, the new earth is better than heaven, heaven as it is now. The new earth that is coming, the renewed earth, R2, is better than what heaven is now. Do you remember what Hebrews says? Um, we, as we worship here as God's people, we are joined with the saints in heaven. And this is how the saints in heaven are described. The spirit of the righteous made perfect. We join with the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Not the people made purpose, perfect. Souls and bodies are now separate. We are not fully at home here. Uh, but at that second, uh, at the second creation, uh, which is really, a, it, not a second creation, but as a recreation, that, that R, uh, R1 is a pattern of R2. That is our, our becoming new and renewed is the pattern for the world becoming renewed. 
the earth's groanings uh, of birth pangs will finally be productive and there will be rejoicing all over in this renewed earth. Think about it. Think about it. The best, the best that, you, that you observe about life here now will be a faint reflection. Think of C.S. Lewis's great divorce. Think of the solid people as opposed to the ghosts and the way that the solid people could, could, could live in and, and, and enjoy the blessings of that new earth. The best thing that you can imagine, what, what, what is that? Is it the Rocky Mountains only better? Is that possible? Is it the Jersey coast or Cape Cod or the coast of Maine only better? The present heaven and earth will pass away and and like the world was destroyed by the flood, it will be purged with fire and something better. Still earth, but better in its place. You'll have a perfect home fit for you perfectly. Well, we don't leave earth behind and go to heaven on any permanent basis. We don't do that. Heaven comes here, as we read in in Revelation 21. The heavenly Jerusalem is God's dwelling place and it descends and it is joined together with this this renewed earth and and this creation restored becomes an Eden 2.0 and it's it's, 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 it's flawless, it's perfect. And our R2 will be a perfect environment for all of us R1ers to thrive in the love of God. It is a perfect home designed exactly for us. Listen to this from C.S. Lewis. Our longings will be filled at last. This is what C.S. Lewis said. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life and I never knew it until now. Glory's coming. Glory's coming. It is incorruptible. It is unstoppable. And it is unspoilable. Well, just a couple of points of application here. Don't, therefore, don't overvalue stuff on this earth. Don't overvalue stuff right now. Uh, Jonathan Edwards uh, made a, a, a series of resolutions, actually, when he was about 20 years old, which is kind of amazing. But he made the, this is one of his re- resolutions resolved to think to think much on all occasions of my own dying and of the common circumstances which attend death, judgment, restoration, and so forth. Uh, uh, to think much <laughs> on all occasions, no wiggle room there either for my own of my own dying. So he's really saying, spend your whole life preparing to die, getting ready for death. And he's not being morbid, he's being realistic. That's what's coming. And in fact, uh, in, when I think he was in his 50s, he volunteered for a smallpox vaccination uh, in order to, to preserve... In fact, he had just moved to New Jersey. Uh, and he was in the process of, uh, process of taking over at, uh, in, at, at Princeton uh, University, not called that yet. Um, but this is what this is what his doctor wrote about Edwards when he was had been received that vaccination and it didn't work. He he didn't get a vaccination. He got the disease and his death was inevitable. It was coming. But this is how his, his doctor described him. 
a cheerful resignation and patient submission to the divine will through every stage of his disease. That's a man who'd been preparing for this, so when the transition came, he was ready. Cheerful resignation, patient submission to divine will through every stage. So don't overvalue stuff. It's temporary. Don't overvalue things here. Don't, don't, don't think you need things that God has not provided for you. Don't think you need them. But on the other hand, don't undervalue stuff here either. Don't undervalue stuff here either. And what do I mean by that? We are able and called to enjoy the goodness of God's creation. How many of the Psalms just list different aspects of God's creation? We are called to make the adoration and wonder of God's creation as part of our worship. Because the things that we love about the things God has made are some faint reflection of God himself. They are a preview of coming, to, to, of coming attractions. Everything you love in creation is fulfilled in God and in the new home that's coming. Everything you love finds its fulfillment in God. I, every spring, this thought comes to my mind as I look at the flowers that are popping up all over the place. Why did God do that? Beautiful flowers just seem unnecessary, but I am so glad. They're, they're just, they're captivating. And they are God's gift to us to, to brighten up after the wintertime, to brighten us with His glory, His reflected glory. So look at those things and enjoy those things, absorb those things and praise God for those things. Don't make too much of the wrong stuff, but make a lot, a lot of, of the good stuff. And then, and then finally, all right, perfect people, and now we're in a perfect home, and this, if anything, it's just getting better and better and better, and I can hardly imagine, I can hardly, this is what God says is waiting for us, a perfect marriage. A, a poll was taken of famous people, I don't know who these famous people were, but they were asked about heaven. And, and three things, three things they said. Uh, one of them, the, one thing is they all believed in heaven. They believed that heaven is, heaven is coming. It's real. Secondly, they all assumed that they'd be there. That's kind of like our default, isn't it? If we've got this sense of the, uh, the, the, uh, the, coming, uh, the coming of heaven, and we're certainly we're, we're going to be a part of that. And, and then they were asked to describe it. Not one of them mentioned that God would be there. I, I, want you to, I want you to imagine you are a bride planning a wedding. I want you to imagine, and I'm, I'm thinking of people who I've performed weddings for coming right down this aisle right now, and I'm looking at those brides, but what if, what if, uh, what if someone is coming down uh, by herself and there's no, there's no groom right here. Um, and, and, then, and, then, and then there's a reception. Imagine a reception without dancing. Imagine a head table where she's sitting by herself. 
imagine after the um, after the reception and the uh, she's leaving the reception hall and the bird seed is flying and getting caught in her hair. Imagine her leaving the room by herself, and then imagine her getting into a limousine by herself, and then imagine her um, checking into a hotel um, by herself. Jesus is preparing um, a place for us. Jesus said, I'm, I've told you that I'm going, John 14, I told you I'm going. And he says, and if I go, and I am, if I go and prepare a place for you, um, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. I remember, I remember uh, Gail and I, as we were memorizing this section, um, she, she drew to my attention. She said, she said that, that is wedding language. He's going away, preparing a home, and then he's coming back, and he will take you, as his now beautified bride, take you into glory. Jonathan Edwards makes much of the fact that um, we are heading, uh, we are heading for glory, and it is it is a wedding feast, and it is a bride and groom coming together in, in what he calls at one point a calm explosion of love. Let me let me read what what uh, Edward says. Then will come the time when Christ will sweetly invite his spouse to enter in with him into the palace of his glory, which he has been preparing for her from the foundation of the world, and shall, as it were, take her by the hand and lead her in with him. And this glorious bridegroom and bride shall with all their shining ornaments ascend up together into the heaven of heavens, the whole multitude of glorious angels waiting upon them And this son, and now daughter of God, shall, in their united glory and joy, present themselves together before the Father, when Christ shall say, Here I am, and the children which thou hast given me. And they both shall, in that relation and union, together receive the Father's blessing, and shall henceforth Rejoice together in consummate, uninterrupted, immutable, and everlasting glory in the love and embraces of each other and joint enjoyment of the love of the Father. A calm, uninterrupted, Everlasting explosion of love. Just one thing in conclusion here. Uh, Good marriages age well. Good marriages age well and deepen and mature. I've been married, Gail and I have been married for 45 years, and um, we are both, to the extent that we're able without seeing everything else going on, just enjoying the deepening of our own relationship. 
And I think we'll come out of this able to love each other better than we ever have. It's a beautiful thing. Good marriages age well, infinitely more so with the bridegroom. He is, by definition, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And his love is inexhaustible, and its, its boundaries are, well, it is without boundaries. You, there, is, there are no side boundaries to it. There are no depth boundaries to it. There are no depth or height boundaries to it. It is beyond, it is beyond our capacity to, to get to understand, to absorb. It is inexhaustible. And so in our new home, we're we're perfect people in a perfect dwelling place, in a perfect marriage, but it's not static. There is a capacity for joy to expand and to grow. And it's not that we were un, will be unfulfilled in the first thousand years and, and feel like we're missing something. But as time, as we might refer to it, as time goes on, our capacity to enjoy Christ will expand. Whereas early in that eternal marriage, it's like we're a, a, we're, we're a, a one-gallon jug and we, we're, we're full. We're even overflowing, but it's only one gallon. And then after a thousand years, it's a ten-gallon jug. And it's overflowing with our capacity to delight in our bridegroom in that eternal explosion of love. My call to you my call to you is, is live now like you're engaged and you're counting down the time to your wedding day and be ruthless in dealing with any adulterated affections that can spoil your vision of your groom. Be ruthless. Cut it out. Cut it off so that you can have full enjoyment of the Lord Jesus to your present custody. Looking forward to glory. Let's pray. Oh God, oh God, Lord Jesus, we, we, can, we can barely wrap our minds around this. What is ahead of us is greater than we can imagine. The home that is awaiting us is greater than we can imagine. We ourselves are greater than we can imagine a greater capacity to know you and to love you and to be fulfilled in your love. Let us live each moment, each... ah, That'd be a little bit much for us to ask. Each day, let us live with a sense of what is coming, of who we will be, of what our home is like, and what our marriage will be like. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.